Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale. And in this week's episode, I am sitting down and talking with Courtney Benson. She is the owner of Viticulture and Brick and Ivy out in Rochester, New York, both of which are on the Eat Local New York card. Well, you know, there's some restaurants that join the Eat Local New York card. We reach out to them via Instagram or Facebook or email or however we reach out to them. Some of them reach out to us. But there's a lot that we reach out to on Instagram and, and a lot that, you know, we just have never been to before. And uh, well, Viticulture is one of them, and so is Brick and Ivy, but um, just places that we would message on Instagram and just say, hey, we'd love for you to join. It's free, and we, we just want to help promote you, and we just haven't been out there to visit the restaurant yet. And this is one of those cases. So um, Courtney's been great from the very beginning. You know, she was excited about joining the card. Um, and getting, especially once Brick and Ivy opened up her second restaurant, and you'll hear more about her journey and the restaurant openings here in this podcast. But Courtney's just been one of those really kind of great supporters of being on the card. And, and it's, you know, coming from our end where we're not really sure who's using the card, where, and all that kind of stuff, it's really um, encouraging to meet an owner like Courtney who's excited about the Eat Local New York program. And uh, so anyways, it was a pleasure to drive out there and, and meet up with her and be able to go into Viticulture and sit down and have this conversation with her on the podcast and um, meeting Courtney meeting Courtney and getting to know just a tiny little bit about her was really encouraging and inspiring to see um, just this, this really successful, competent, confident woman uh, who's running a restaurant today in New York State. Uh, so yeah, so I'm excited for this podcast and I hope that you really enjoy listening to it without further ado. Here is my conversation with Courtney Benson. All right, so how long have you been in business here? Uh, so I opened this four days before COVID last year. Wow. Yeah, and then we shut down four days later and didn't open back up till the middle of June and then shut down again in December. So we're about to be approaching year two. Wow. Right, March 22 coming up. Yep, yeah. so year two years. Yeah. What had you been doing before this? Um, so I was a real, well, I am a real estate agent. Oh, cool. um, so yep, so I used to own properties and flip houses and stuff like that. Um, and then prior to that, I was the operations manager for LA Fitness around the Quake. Okay. And then prior to that, I worked at Paychex for about four years in different positions. Yeah. yeah. What made you want to get into restaurants and food service? So when I went to college, I um, wanted I like was into hospitality and, and things like that. I interned for Matthew Robbins. Um, he's like this big event planner. He was like mm -hmm. Martha Stewart's number one go-to event planner. Mm. And I did a million dollar wedding at the Plaza Hotel. Wow. And it was gorgeous. Um, so just being interested in stuff like that. So initially the dream was to open a, an event space or a wedding venue space. Um, and that just kind of transitioned through different encounters and experiences mm -hmm. to lead me to owning mm. Viticulture and now Brick and Ivy, the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> You're the third person I've met in the past two years, I'd say, who were in 
big event plan, like big events in New York City. Oh yeah. And um, I've only thought that I'd ever meet one. And yeah. Three, so. Yeah. No, it was a, ba- a great experience. I was in college. I was just happy to be there. You know. And yeah, then you're for sure. like, and it's you see how much um, time and effort actually goes into it, and hours of labor and yeah. creativity. Um, and just really pinpointing, you know, people's desires and what they're interested in mm. and then making something, a product that people are going to like. So yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I grew up in church and so, and like volunteering in it. And then I lived out in uh, central Texas for a couple of years mm-hmm. and worked for a mega church out there as their production manager. Nice. And yeah, it's extremely fun to be involved in productions and events. Yeah and planning stuff like where that. Do you, where do you go to church now, if you don't let me ask I don't anymore. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> we, um, I have my bachelor's in theology, and, uh, and then when I moved back, you know, being in, I grew up in Syracuse, and Syracuse, with the exception of Abundant Life, if, if you're familiar with that, that's like the big church in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the exception of that, everything in Syracuse is small. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, Syracuse I hear is quite boring, no? Yeah. Like yeah. as a whole or the church culture? <laughs> oh, no, no. no. As, as a whole, not a church culture, <laughs> but as a whole, I hear yeah. that it's a um, pretty boring city. I've only, I don't think I've ever like gone out. I've been to concerts and yeah. things and games, but I've never like just gone to go. Yeah. I always tell people Syracuse is like 10 years behind, maybe five years behind Buffalo and Rochester, mm-hmm. uh, which that means it's probably 20 years behind like New York City and what the rest of the world, the world is, doing. is doing. Yeah. Um, so Syracuse is definitely, you know, like uh, here's a great example. I was um, uh, just watching this video, this interview of this restaurant owner in New York City who has a made-to-order dumpling shop, and it's completely touchless. So there's a staff that are making dumplings like as they're being ordered, but as a consumer, you can only order online or you go in and you scan, like you use their mm-hmm. uh, tablet. And then they put everything in heated or cooled, uh, like lockers. You get a barcode, you scan the, you scan your barcode, oh, wow. and then that's how you unlock it to get your food out. I showed that to like three owner, re- restaurant owners in Syracuse today, like this morning as I was running around. And they're like, yeah, that's that's awful. That's That'll never happen around here. Um, yeah. You know, and... That's kind of sums up Syracuse. <laughs> but you know what? Um, it's so interesting because I wonder if that's going to be the direction of restaurants. Because honestly, the employee cost is almost like owning these businesses are getting rid of employees and, and replacing them with machinery or equipment or technology. And yeah. the amount of income that is necessary for back of house and front of house staff, it's just like, yeah. um, I know a restaurant here, Richmond's, I believe they were doing where they didn't have any front of house staff. So you're hmm. making your order and then they're bringing the food out to you from the back yeah. and cutting that cost because in order for restaurants to thrive, especially during this time, it is kind of getting to that point, I feel like. Yeah. And when you think about it, um, you they're cutting out so many different middlemans by just right. having the food made and then you come and get your food i mean yeah. obviously though people are still looking for that experience to come and sit down so that's the only part that would lack but i wonder if that's the direction that it's going but as like uh, you know what is that experience that you're getting from your server i mean like right you know you usually i usually leave a restaurant and i'm either thinking like all right that service was bad like 
They weren't enthusiastic. And not that I'm looking for, uh, was it waiting? I forget the name of that movie where like they had the flare on there, you know, those pins on yeah, there, suspender, yeah, yeah. you know, like the old Applebee's model or uh-huh. TGI Fridays. I'm not looking for that. But unless you have for enthusiasm, but unless you have somebody who's like attentive and, you know, um, what is that experience you're getting from your server? You know, most of it's like there's a, there's, there's some cool stuff in Syracuse. There's a lot of cool stuff in Syracuse, but one of them that just opened up during COVID was called Three Lives. And it's a video game, like arcade bar and restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, and they're 100% in with that theme. Like you go in, you get your ID scanned and they put you in their rewards program. But everything is video game themed. So then all of a sudden you level up and when you hit level, when you hit <laughs> level- you get a drink? And yeah, I'm like, <laughs> right, when you hit level 10, they send you on quests. Ah. And that one of those quests could be order this drink off the menu. And the bartenders are called alchemists and they've got these little potion bottles. I mean, oh, like, they're, they're all in. They've taken it to, you know, the, the top. And it's legit. You go in there and you don't really, you never have a bad time. Oh, that's um, So there are cool spots like that. But yeah, for the most part, a, a lot of it is, uh, you know, still old school out in Syracuse. Yeah, I have yeah. to get out there. So, um, all right, so you, so like, did you always want to have a, a wine bar or was it just kind of like the opportunity came up and? You... Yeah, the opportunity came up. Um, we um, went to go look at a restaurant that ended up being for sale that um, we thought initially was the building because mm. it was actually accidentally put on LoopNet for mm. sale. So we were like, oh my gosh, and I was a real estate agent. And then we kind of sat with the owner and that just didn't work out. And then um, an opportunity for a wine bar here in Rochester that was also the building and the wine bar were supposed to sell. Okay. And we were gonna do that and then that didn't work out. And then I was just like, you know what? I kind of want to get into this and I feel like a wine bar is easy, like scalable enough to start out Hmm. um, before fully jumping into a full blown restaurant, you know? So taking that on without that um, experience. So that's what led it here. Yeah. yeah, and it's just been um, a good time ever since. Um, Brick and Ivy, you can definitely see the difference between a full-blown restaurant and a wine <laughs> bar that requires maybe one or two people to function versus an entire team. Yeah. Um, so, so many different learning experiences, um, but people seem to like the product, so that's like the good thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, so how did Brick and Ivy come about? Um, Brick and Ivy, I, I had the name and the, the I concept initially it was probably going to be an event space turned then into a restaurant um but since last september and then and then it wasn't until this april and i had been pondering like what am i going to do next like am i going to do this i had already owned the llc and i'm just like oh i wasn't like in a rush for anything just trying to let life come to me and then um a random realtor at the time who uh, my good friend david now who i had never met before reached out to me saying he came across viticulture Hmm. and one um, had a spot out in fairport thought it would be good for this concept if i was ever looking to open up a second viticulture or another business instead and then um i was just like actually yeah (laughs) and then i went out there and then that spot, it didn't actually work out. I was literally getting, like, did all the work for it and everything, gone, going to sign, day of signing. He mentioned another spot here on South Clinton that he had just acquired. And literally, I, like, put down the pen. I was like, oh, do you have photos? Da, da, da. He showed me the photos. <laughs> and then I was like, can we go see that today? He's like, well, like, in addition to this, because we had just did all this work, like, to, to, you know, for this deal. And I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe. 
And then we go there and I was like, yes, I'm not going to sign that lease over there. I actually want this spot. So like, hmm. what do we got to do to get it? And it just didn't, it felt so much better. I was like, had so much anxiety, I feel like prior to that. Yeah. And it just like, it worked out how it was supposed to. That's cool. Yeah. I'd imagine it's got to be, um, got to feel pretty good to be a business owner, have somebody approach you and say, hey, I love what you did. Like at this spot, I yeah. think you'd handle this one. Yeah, um, and yeah, we've, Viticulture has gotten so many. Um, we were in the top 30 coolest spaces of Rochester, New York. Awesome. Um, up there with like Mercantile on Main okay. and Parcells 5. Wow. And so that's like such an honor that, and I don't, and you had to be nominated and there was hundreds hmm. of nominations. So I don't know who nominated me, but <laughs> I'm very grateful and appreciative. <laughs> um, and out of all these, you know, different entries of all the different places in Rochester, um, Viticulture was one of them. So... Um, and on Yelp, you know, we had our, um, nothing but five star reviews. They sent out a thing or whatever. I yeah. think our stickers on the door. So, um, so yeah, it's just nice that people enjoy it and they, they like the product. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. What's, um, so, uh, you know, so here it's strictly wine. You do food here? Ah, uh, yeah. We do small plates, um, type things. So we have like a shrimp cocktail, um, a soft pretzel with spicy mustard, cream cheese, um, mini desserts, uh, chips, peanuts. Um, we do have the pizzas, which those are going to transition out. So we're going to be switching it up a little bit. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so just small things. Yeah. Um, but nothing that has to be like, there's no like full kitchen. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so not like over there where you're getting lamb chops or duck legs and yeah. things like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and we sell beer too. Oh, Here. cool. Yeah. Wine and beer. So, um, I mean, what's that? What's the mindset difference between here and Brick and Ivy? Oh, Brick and Ivy is a whole different animal. Um, Do you like one better than the other? No. I think, I no, they, I like them both equally the same, um, but they are just different. You can definitely tell, like, getting into a full restaurant where there's like multiple people versus mm -hmm. just, you know, one or two people. Yeah. Um, so that would be the only difference really, I would think, but as far, and then I just, so kind of how my um, life goal has transitioned is that I kind of want to own multiple hospitality places yeah. that have different vibes. And so Brick and Ivy has like a different feel over there than the feel that's over here. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like the best part about it too is, and then, you know, like when COVID first happened and it shut down and no one had anywhere to go, I just came and sat in here <laughs> and had my glass of drink. Like, oh, people are stuck in the house. I'm like, you know what, let me just come in here and <laughs> I'm going to go out for the night, you know, yeah, <laughs> and this awesome. is my goal. So it's like nice to be able to have two different places that I can go to. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so multiple different restaurants and food service spots that have different vibes and feels to them, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of that here in Rochester. Um, the gentlemen who own Oxenstone and mm -hmm. Swan Dive, they own Burns and all that. That's awesome. And then you got the guys over at Good Luck who also own Lucky's and... Yeah. Um, hmm the jackrabbit and you know it's just like i feel like if you have that mindset for it to create and that creativity behind it um yeah. i think that's like really cool and people if they enjoy it then that's the best part about it yeah have you always i mean like growing up were you in like working in restaurants your family grew nope. up in food service not at all i did not my grandmother ran a daycare okay. um she did child care for all of my life um and then my mom worked in different fields, but no, 
Um, the I just enjoyed going out and things like that. And like as soon as I, I went to, I graduated from Brockport High School, and then I moved to New York City for okay. school. Um, I went to four universities in four years. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Um, but the first two were in New York and or New York City, I should say. And I just yeah, I, I like that energy yeah. and I like going out. I like restaurants. I like food. I like entertainment. Um, mm. But more so, I like the the creative side of it. Um, I think like my long term goal is if you know I get to retire young. You know that's everyone's <laughs> dream to so retire young. But if I got to retire or do something, um, I would switch to doing um, business cons- consulting. Yeah. And I, because I, that's the part that I love the most, mm-hmm. like the build up, yeah. like building it, creating it, designing it, creating the name, creating the concept, creating the identity, creating the brand, creating the culture. Yeah. Um, that's the part that I enjoy the most. Yeah. So do you? I mean, what what's it like? Do you have a team that's you have like a management team that's like helping to run both? Are you doing it? Or it's you? me. It's <laughs> me. It's me. Um, but yeah, that's growing to other people. But, um, you know, my chef over at Brick and Ivy is definitely a huge um, part of that. Um, Africa is amazing. And obviously he is the, the core because food comes yeah, from him. So sure. um, that is that. But as far as, uh, yeah, it's just me. Um I do the social medias and things like that. I, I've done, um, I do my liquor licensing myself and wow. things like that. So yeah. So, That's a lot. Yes, it is. Um, so now I'm branching out, getting different team members, building a, a team to take on different things at different locations. Yeah. Um, and that was always the plan to hmm. just, yeah, create that team. I've got a friend uh, and there, it's a ramen shop back in Syracuse. And, oh, had ramen next door. <laughs> you know, I saw that. So I was looking at restaurants that are in the area to grab lunch while I'm here, and I saw that place. Is it any good? Uh, oh yeah, he is. But this yeah. location isn't um, open right now. He oh, okay. his other one is on State Street. Is okay. So yeah, two locations, and yeah. this one isn't it. But yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. Um, if you like that, if you um, Pokey, yeah, just um, opened up on South Ave there. Okay. And I heard it's amazing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a good variety in Syracuse. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Like. If you want to get, like, there's some great Ethiopian restaurants, but they're, like, holes in the wall, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, cause so my buddy uh, Kyle, who's doing Kasai, or owns Kasai, they've been open, they just had their three-year anniversary. Uh, he's opening three new restaurants in the next year. Like, wow. That. I mean, it's nuts. He's got a, um, uh, it's going to be called Tap House, and that's going to be beer, like, a little upscale beer and wine. Uh, he's opening up a sourdough bakery right next to that, and then he's opening up like a legit cheesesteak shop, and all in Armory Square, so all within uh, like a block of each other. Oh wow! Um, but it's um, it's interesting to see the mindset change from like having one spot where I typically know him as being in the kitchen online cooking at the mm-hmm. at Kasai to then all of a sudden see that shift where now he's making these executive level decisions and having to get this huge staff and figure, you know, it's pretty insane. Um, There's a whole, I can't, I have to remember the name of the book, but they talk about the different mindsets of business and there's the four levels of entrepreneur, manager, mm -hmm. um, employee and technician. Oh, the E-Myth. Yes, the E-Myth, yeah. Yeah, I'm almost done with that. Yeah, 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 love that book. And thank you, it's been forever since someone has told me the name and I'm like, I know the book, but I cannot think of the name. Um, 
And so, yeah, it is. It is that transition apart and then and getting out of that because then I feel like a lot of business owners, you end up stuck in the business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if being able to go and have all those different three, that just takes it to like a, yeah. a different level. I, um, so for Eat Local, our business, it's, you know, it's kind of three sides. We have the card, obviously, that we sell. We have a content side, which is like this and you know, the photos that we take, um, we've just brought on a couple freelance bloggers, start putting content out for us. And then we have a third side, which is marketing. So we do the marketing for, uh, handle the marketing for, um, I think 17 restaurants now. Um, restaurants, a couple, like we just finished a couple political campaigns and all that kind of stuff. And I always say we, it's me. It's just I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I always, for some reason, I've always been in the habit of saying we. And yeah. people especially now are asking me like, well, who is this we? Because for our clients, we're doing, I'm doing video production, uh, photography, podcasting, their social ad. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's too much. Yeah. And um, I've always had the goal of, in my head at least, of building it and selling it. You know, mm -hmm. or building it and turning it on, on, yeah. on autopilot. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of in, like, I've always been in the mindset of grab it. Like, if there's a dollar out there and you can grab that gig, do that job, pick on, you know, pick up this client, just take it and figure it out. And now, now I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My friend uh, Jeff, who um, is, uh, one of the partners, founders in Digital Hive, which they have an agency here and in Syracuse. And, um, but they just, he just sold. And so he just suggested this book called Built to Sell. And so I'm listening to that. Right. I listen to that book. And <laughs> yeah, Built to Sell is a really solid book. Uh, or do you do audio books or do you read them? I, I do both. Okay. Yeah. I'm audio book. I yeah. can't like, I just, there's something about it. I can't sit there. If I'm sitting on my couch or wherever reading for 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I could have been doing a, a social post or, or editing of this blog or whatever. So I do audio books. The audio book is rough. I'm just putting it that the yeah. guy who reads it is awful. Oh, no. um, but you get after, uh, so I, I had to get past that. But it's a great book that's just talking about um, streamlining the business figuring out the parts of it that should be grown to sell. Mm -hmm. And I can say from like a, a new business owner, I'm looking at my marketing side of the business. I'm like, all right, this is stupid. Why mm -hmm. am I, why am I focusing on building this? Mm -hmm. This is the part of it. Like it's all me. Yeah. No one could ever buy that or would, would Whoever ever want to, to buy, buy that, it. Yeah. yeah. That where it's one person, yep. you know, doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting to notice those things yeah. and, and just different things that make your business more um, sellable. Yeah. Like, you know, if you can have reoccurring EFTs mm -hmm. or different like things like that or multiple sources of income, not just from selling food and liquor. Yeah. Do you do events? Do you do this? Like whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, those are definitely the ways to, to make the business yeah. more appealing to the eyes if you're looking to sell it. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, yeah, it is. It's hard to transition from the one-man show. Because mm -hmm. then you have to, one, find people who are capable, mm -hmm. and then two, not only are they capable, but willing to um, treat it like it's theirs. Yeah. Yep. And that's like the biggest part, because no one's ever going to really go the extra mile for exactly. something that's not theirs. So then, you know, 
then you're constantly transitioning. And they say one of the biggest expenses in business is hiring and firing. Sure. You know, so every time you hire someone, you got to fire them or they leave, whichever the case may be. Yeah. It's just like you've wasted so much energy and commitment and money into yeah. developing that person. And then now you got to redo it all over again. Yeah. But yeah. I always say we too. Um, like, even though it's I, like, I know for a fact, like, my friends, my family, it's never just, like, me. <laughs> like, I mean, it's me for the most part if you want to, like, look at certain things. But in all in all, like, uh, yeah, it's definitely a team support effort. And I'm always constantly leaning on people, whether it's just for mental support or yeah. just, like, whatever. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this is just good to have these people. So, yeah, but yeah. It definitely you got you to gotta work for it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we... Um Last year we did a project with a, a client and they started a ghost kitchen. It was the first ghost kitchen in Syracuse. And um, she had a, a old bar that just that hadn't been used in, in about a year, but they had a kitchen. So she had the concept for it and we helped her um, build out the brand and the name and then do the social. And it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, uh, we called it Mad Burger. Oh, nice. It was just like seven or eight over the top, you know, burgers, delivery only, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they were only open for two weeks and then they closed down because of staffing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so many businesses, it wasn't due to lack of interest or people. Right. It's literally staffing. Yeah. It's literally staffing. Um, it's very interesting to see. And coming from like a more of a corporate, yeah. type jobs and things like that to the restaurant industry um, you definitely see a difference in employees yeah. and, and and management styles <laughs> and things that work for restaurant people versus working in the corporate world and just the structure of it so yeah that is definitely a, a thing yeah um and so yeah it's just about finding the right people which takes time mm -hmm. and there's and then honestly understanding that um changeover is inevitable yeah in the sure. industry so it's not but it's just managing it and minimizing it as much as possible yeah no. <laughs> i feel like you would probably get this because i you know i have this concept like i don't really see it in a lot of local restaurants in syracuse i see it more in the corporate world and and you know, honestly, I've, I've spent my fair share in working for companies that they don't even do it. But having some sort of a training program or like clear path forward for promotions or advancement, like that's one thing I don't see in restaurants unless it's a national chain. And that is you can start here, but you can get there. You know, yeah. like here's the metrics you need to hit. Here's, you know, here are the, the time you have to put in. Like if you want to start as a dishwasher, but you want to get to a manager, front of house manager or chef or whatever it is. So I, yeah, I can definitely see that. And that I don't know why it's more easier in a chain than normal, but there's something, um, I think there's a book on it and my chef was, it talks about it, but there's something in the restaurant industry called line cook mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens is that a lot of the people, they actually don't necessarily even Put out there that they want upward mobility hmm. it's almost like they're just taking a job to take a job yeah. um and then you have to look at the, the the people that work in the restaurant industry typically younger typically mm -hmm. college typically whatever um and not all cases obviously yeah. but when you think about people who are starting off servers they're usually younger or bartenders right. and things like that hmm. unless you're someone who's seasoned or experienced and then obviously you're comfortable if you're gotten to level, then that's where you want to be but there's something called a line cook mentality in which you know, 
for whatever reason, they're content. Because when you think about it, they actually make decent money. Maybe mm. not to get rich, but they actually make good money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so mm. when you're like, oh, I make this amount of money, I can do this, and, and I can go anywhere to do it because there's so many, there's such a need for it. Right. It's just like, well, then what's the encouragement to go higher in their own mindset? Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, I mean... We, I definitely try to encourage that. I am a big believer in um, people becoming... I, when someone when I hire someone, I don't expect them to work for me forever. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own you know, dreams. I tell anyone that if I bring a manager on, like I, one of the questions that I typically ask in an interview is like, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? What, are you, what is your actual like, goal? Yeah. You know? it, 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 mm-hmm. And then it's just if they don't say, oh, to be a manager of a restaurant, I don't like, not hire them. Because yeah. I know that everyone has their right. own aspirations, and I'm all for people, you know, getting to what it is that they want to do. So if yeah. you want to own your own restaurant one day, you know, I, okay, ask me whatever you want to ask me. You mm. know, I'll, I'll give you the tools. Um, and I always find that interesting too, because a lot of people I feel like don't like sharing information, mm. um, which I think is so interesting. Because what I've learned is that you can give people information until they're blue in the face, doesn't mean that they can use yeah. it or that you know. And you shouldn't have fear that someone else can do what you can do. You should be confident enough that if you're doing it, you're doing it because you yeah. can. Um, and if they go and do it, great for them. Um, but mm. so I'm just a big believer in helping everyone get to whatever it is that that goal is that they want to get to. So um, I, that is something I always ask, like, what do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ideas aren't really like the thing that makes people successful. Or oh my God, I have 50 million and I, and, and honestly, like you said, honestly with Viticulture and Brick and Ivy, I get, I'm fortunate enough to get many opportunities presented to me now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people presenting, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Yeah. Or I have this or that. Um, and then it's knowing like, okay, well, how much can you actually handle right. and turning away and knowing that, you know, sometimes timing is important yeah. um, and growth is important. Um, so all those things are like factors, but yeah. It's what made like, uh, how old are you? 29. 29. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Um, I just turned 29 in June. It's always, I'm 35. It's always painful. <laughs> I mean, this is a compliment, but yeah, it's like, you know, uh, I'm not usually a big pop music fan, but I was really intrigued that Taylor Swift just did a 10 minute song on SNL. Oh really? You know? Yeah. Um, like she did the extended cut that's 10 minutes long oh, wow. and performed the entire thing on set as one of her two songs. And so I would watch that and then, uh, I was like, all right, I'll listen to the album. So I'm listening to the album last night as I'm working. And then I was like, how old is Taylor Swift? She's 31 years old. I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. I'm 35, you know, like to, to meet people that are my age, like it's one thing like, all right, you know, you're a little bit younger, but especially yeah. when I meet somebody who's like around my age and they've got like two restaurants, I'm like, oh God, what have I done with my life? Um, yeah, well then, and then look on the alternative <laughs> side, sometimes I'm like in it and I'm like, oh my God, what have I done with my life? Like, yeah, how did I throw right. myself into this? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, so it's always about perspective. And that's one thing that I try to really focus on is perspective because people, you know, I am very grateful and very fortunate, and very blessed to be doing what I'm doing, but it, it doesn't come without sacrifice oh, and the sure. cost and hard work. So it's always, you know, the grass always looks greener. But yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Listen, I don't ever want to own a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not falling for that trick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, yeah. Um, we had a friend during the pan, like during the early days of the pandemic when everybody was at home. Uh, like most people, I was jumping like heavy into, I'm either gonna make really great bread or pizza or whatever. 
So I was focused on trying to make really great pizza at home. Mm -hmm. And I would always post pictures and we have this friend of the family and she would always comment. So my parents, my dad has owned multiple restaurants and always in a kitchen or something. So she would comment on my posts on Facebook and she'd be like, oh, you've got to open a restaurant one day. It's in your blood. And it used to always just really piss me off. I'd be like, <laughs> you know. And finally one day I said, listen, I wouldn't wish restaurant ownership on my worst enemy. Yeah. It is, Intense. you know, the, like, arguably one of the worst things that you could do. Well, I don't think it's the worst. I can enjoy my, I do think every day is like exciting or whatever, but maybe over time I'll get the way. I, there's a book that I'm getting ready to start called Setting the Table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny yeah. Myers. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're unique though, because like you have, like you're coming from, you know, a corporate world, right? Mm -hmm. Real estate. Mm -hmm. And you're coming into this having read a business book. Most restaurant owners <laughs> don't know how to spell business book, let yeah. alone have they read one, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, definitely read different stuff. Um, I definitely have different business experience with different businesses mm -hmm. of different fields, gyms, cleaning businesses and stuff in the yeah. past that I helped build and create or um, assist with. So it's it really is the entrepreneur side of it. But it's like you said, I feel like one day, like my goal is to not necessarily own anything, but just mm -hmm. help build businesses for other people. Yeah, that's cool. So that is the goal. Yeah. Yeah, my goal Can't is to... Can't do it until I do it my, my, myself, though. So yeah. that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, thanks so much for having me out and for doing this. Yes, and I'm glad I finally got out here, you know, to check it out. And uh, we'll come back, you know, sometime on a weekend and come in as a customer but come and then you got to get to rick and ivy and eat some food yeah so where can people find more about the restaurant and about the wine bar um so you're going to go to viticulture v-i-t-i-c-u-l-t-u-r-e-r-o-c.com and that's our website um we're actually rolling out some new memberships as well so you'll be able to get um for 20 dollars a month it'll come out on the first of each month but you'll be able to come in and get three glasses of any of our by the glass pours um whenever you want um there's also a bottle membership um, we're also doing a book club that's getting ready to start once a month um, on a book and coming in you'll receive a certain glass and dessert with it um and then for mm -hmm. brick and ivy uh, social media obviously our instagram our facebook and then um brick and ivy as well it's brick and ivy roc.com and you can follow us on our social medias as well to see what we got going on. Sweet. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, well, there it is. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to whatever platform you're listening to this on. It just means that you're going to get an update whenever a new episode's released. Don't forget to leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the Eat Local New York podcast. And visit us online at eatlocalnewyork.com. You can find our blogs, you can find links to our podcasts, to our YouTube channel. You can buy your Eat Local New York card and see the full list of participating restaurants that accept the Eat Local New York card. We're up over 160 right now all across the state, and we're really excited about that. So thanks again for listening to the podcast. We're going to catch you next week right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. Oh, 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 oh.